Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. All right, if you have your Bible, open to Joshua chapter 1. Look at the call of Joshua this morning and how it plays an important role um, in our life of following Jesus. This chapter, in fact, this book, uh, its entire story of Joshua is uh, important for Israel. It's important in the timeline of the Old Testament as it's a time of transition, um, as they transition to Joshua as the leader of Israel after Moses um, had died, which is recorded at the end of Deuteronomy. Joshua was selected before Moses died to be the new leader of Israel, Um, and Moses had a a hand to play in that in the commissioning of Joshua. and you can look back in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and, and to the end of, uh, of that book uh, to find that story. But one thing is true when you keep reading through the Old Testament, that God's people, generations, will come and go. But God stays. His work stays. His work remains. Um, his work remains for the next generation to take up the mantle of servant leadership um, and worship and discipleship and evangelism. Um, to continue the gospel call uh, to the nations. And for Joshua, that was leading the people into the promised land. For, for the church, it's to make disciples, uh, baptizing, teaching all of the nations. And so I invite you to stand with me, if you would, um, as I read from Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and we'll finish reading in verse 9. <clears throat> After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this next chapter in Israel's story. 
beginning with the call of your servant, Joshua. The man you called to lead your people into the promised land. Father, we know as we read that you supplied all that he needed to accomplish the mission and to be successful, not for his name's sake, but for yours and for your glory. Lord, as Joshua looked to your presence, to your leading, and your word, Lord, I pray that we would do the same today as we look to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. Father, as I often pray, what we do not know, teach us. Where we lack strength and courage to follow in obedience for the days that we are in and the tasks that you have called us to, Lord, we pray that you provide for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. If you go back to chapter 31 of the previous book before Joshua, Deuteronomy, you'll find there in verse 7 and following where God appointed Joshua as the next leader of Israel, that he would call Moses forth to bring Joshua in front of the people and instruct him in the ways of following God and what that meant to be God's servant. In verse 23 of that same chapter, Joshua is commissioned And there it reads, the Lord commissioned Joshua, son of Nun, be strong and courageous for you will bring the Israelites into the land I swore to them and I will be with you. A simple commissioning statement, something that we often see in the church when a new pastor is ordained or deacons, men of the church are called into service as deacons and they too are ordained. We just went through that ourselves not too long ago and you you see that this commission is fairly straightforward. The nature of that commissioning is God's leading Joshua. And the promised land remains. That promise that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and renewed with Jacob. What he had called Moses to do, now Joshua is going to pick up the mantle of that leadership and lead the people into the promised land. But that promise that God made remains at the forefront which is God's word, the promise of his presence will be with Joshua and the people. God's servant Moses is gone, but like I said, God remained. His presence remained with his people. Again, in in chapter one, God restates this calling upon Joshua, and it's one of the most important texts when it comes to God's leading both corporately a church and individually as believers As we follow Jesus, following Jesus will take you into hard places. It'll take you to challenging places. And it is then that we need to look to him for that strength and courage. Moses is dead. God is not. Neither is God's plan. God's call was certain for Joshua. Joshua, you and the people get ready to cross the Jordan. In fact, in verse 10, he'll pick up that command and he'll, he'll run with it. He'll start instructing his leaders in the, on down the line to the people to make ready to cross the Jordan. His call was certain and there should be no room for doubt in Joshua's heart and in Joshua's mind. And back in Deuteronomy chapter 34, it states that there Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom 
because Moses was a part of that commissioning and God used Moses to give Joshua that spirit of wisdom as he laid his hands on him in that commissioning. If you think about Joshua, what must have been running through his mind when Moses died, but Joshua had been by his side the whole way. From the time of leaving Egypt up to this point, he had seen the Red Sea. He'd seen the miracles of manna and the water from the rocks. He'd seen it all. A great man in Moses was gone, but God's man was stepping up, and he'd been called out. But what must have been running through his mind? Will the people believe me? Will they follow me? I mean, if they struggled following Moses and always complained and grumbled against Moses, what are they going to do to me? I'm not Moses. It's big shoes to fill, right? But one of the things we understand is we follow Jesus. Transition is always going to happen. The first transition that happens, happens when you are born again in Christ. When you trust him as your Savior and your Lord. And you commit to following with your life. This is what Nicodemus struggled with in John chapter 3. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again in order to have eternal life. It confused Nicodemus because he was the old man. He's like, well, how? I can't go backwards. How's that going to work, right? But once that first transition happens, a, a change takes place. That transaction happened at the cross, and it brings that transition into our life where we no longer live for ourselves, but we're committed to live for Jesus and trust him for salvation and for our daily bread. But daily after that, it becomes a transformation where our hearts are transformed by the work of God. And it ought to be daily as we grow in holiness and Christ-likeness, rather as he develops that in us. When you look at a man like Joshua, you see that title, Servant of the Lord. There's only two other people in Scripture with that specific title. There are others who are called servants, but that specific title in the Hebrew, Servant of the Lord, one is Moses, the second one is David. That call to service, the call to live out your calling, the task that God says go and do, it is a call that takes great courage because it's a service from a place of humility. It's not that God's people or God's servants are always humiliated, but rather God's servant in receiving that call and the daily call to, to take up and live in obedience and to walk in obedience. That means that we are taking the place of submission to Christ. He is our Lord. That means we serve under him. And so it is a place of serving from humility. Humility and submission to the will and purposes of God. And you see that played out in Joshua. There is going to be a time in this very story where Joshua basically stands alone. And he has to call out the people of Israel. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what it looks like to be called of God and to serve from a place of humility and yet to go and do so with strength Encourage. It's the truth that Jesus was teaching his disciples in John chapter 13 when he took up the towel in the basin and he, he took the, the place of a slave. He took up the role of a slave. Here's the master, the teacher, and yet he's in the position of the slave washing his disciples' feet. 
And they're confused and everything that's running around in their head is, is a little bit discombobulated. But that night, Jesus reset their thoughts on what it would mean to follow him by showing that they would take the place of a servant rather than the domineering taskmaster, the authoritarian, the dictator, the tyrant. In Mark chapter 10, the Gospel of Mark captures for us a moment where the disciples are together with Jesus and they're talking, thinking about greatness in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells the disciples there after a couple of them ask him, hey, when you get to your kingdom, right? Like, I want to be on your left. He wants to be on your right. You're the one that can make that happen. Can you, Jesus, what do, you, what do you think? And Jesus says, guys, that's not for me to decide. It's already been decided. That, that's not where your focus is. And then he goes on to give us that beautiful truth of Scripture where he says, I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. When we see in, in Joshua, we see a man who is submitted to the purposes of God, and he isn't left to create his own plan, but he's called to ser into service to lead God's people into that promised land. And here's how God said it would happen. First, he said, it's time to take the land. That land was God's gift to Israel. When he chose Israel, there was nothing special about them. It's not because they voted right or looked well or were the wealthiest and most powerful nation on the earth. They were, they were nothing. Three times God stressed in that short nine verses that he was giving the land to Israel. His gift, that, that's called grace. They didn't deserve it, just like we don't deserve any of God's grace either. It's a, it's a grace gift. But for 40 years, they've been wandering in that desert, relying on the manna, having to go out and collect it every day, but the seventh day, they would rely on quail at times. They would rely on whatever water source God would provide for them whenever it came. A couple of times it came out of a rock. I mean, just always having to worry and stress about those things. But here, God has provided a land that Scripture says is flowing with milk and honey. And by God's design and God's plan, that land would provide all that they needed. The, the manna would stop because now they're in a land that is plentiful. God also provided the boundaries by saying, everywhere your foot goes, everywhere your foot steps, right? Wow, Israel must have had big feet. We're talking Shaquille O'Neal size 23s, right? They must be, people must be terrified when they hear them coming. Like think of the noise that they make as they're traveling because their shoes are, no. God had already given them that land. They just needed to go and take it. Obey. And he says, your territory will be from the east side to the west side and all points in between. And so God is again saying, it's time for Israel to get out of the desert, get out of the wilderness. It's time to cross the Jordan, get up and go. It reminds me, church today, for what it is for us. Jesus' Jesus's great commission, our great commission that he gave us. As you go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing, teaching them everything that I have taught you, teaching them to observe, teaching them to obey. It's very similar to what this commission is for Joshua. The word of instruction, teach them to obey. Friends, as he calls the church, as you go, make disciples. We're on this journey in Christ to the land that he is already preparing for us. 
Our feet don't have to go and take land. He's already there and he already took it. It's his. He's creating it. He's building it. He's, he's, he's already there. And at some point when God says for him to come back, he is going to come back. We don't have to wander around aimlessly looking for it. He's going to come back and take us there. But Joshua's command was take the land. The second thing God said is you're going to have to confront the enemy. Look at verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. You're going to come up against some crazy looking people. Your enemy, though, will not be able to stand against you as long as you live. But here's the key. As Moses found out, the enemy can be from outside. But for Israel, most often the enemy was on the inside. But no one in that land would stand up against Joshua and the people of God. For 40 years, they had wandered around in the, in the wilderness, and that wandering is very similar to what you see in their double-mindedness. We're going to worship the God of Israel, or we're going to make another idol. What's it going to be? They're always back and forth, double-minded. Perhaps at this point, they had heard stories of the spies that went into the promised land the first time they were on the edge, about to go in. And their report, as I translated from the Hebrew, right, they were big, scary, and hairy, and we can't do it. But the same people that the generation before spied out and said they couldn't, the same people group still live there. They haven't moved. They're going to have to go up against them. That has not changed over the last generation. They'll have to face them. But again, Israel's God, our God, to quote Veggie Tales, is bigger than the boogeyman. And they needed to remember that. Confront the enemy. They're not going to be, over, be able to overcome you. Why? Because they were to remember God's presence. God's presence was there. He was, he was going before them. That had not changed. He never left them when they were in the wilderness, and he's not leaving them now. But God promised his presence with Joshua and his presence with the people. To calm that storm, even perhaps for Joshua's heart, God's presence. God's presence is, is a calming of the storm, a calming of the fear in his heart. God is for that today for those who take up the call in service. What Joshua must have thought when he was thinking about replacing Moses. But what a relief it must have been for Joshua to hear this reassurance from God. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Not different. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Is it any wonder why Jesus would constantly remind his disciples that he'd be with them over and over and over as the day approached when he would return back to the Father? The Holy Spirit and the Gospel of John really captures that, that for us and Jesus is teaching his disciples, the comforter, the helper, he will come. But the Holy Spirit for us today is that presence of God. For the believer and the follower of Christ, he, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and that, that presence is there and that is how we know he is with us. It reminded me of a song I, I learned back in the, I guess it was late 90s when I went to the Passion Student Conference. And it's, it's a well-known song. Y'all probably sang it back then called Better Is One Day. It comes out of 
Psalm chapter 84, verse 10 and following. And if you'd been in the office this morning early, uh, uh, you would have heard me belting it out and you would have run or called the police thinking someone's attacking Pastor Chris. You know, listen to him screaming, nah! But it was just one of those moments, you know, you get reminded of God's word and the power of his presence. It, Psalm 8410 just says, better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. Man, the promise of his presence is, 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 is an anchor for the soul. It's, it's hope for us in Christ, that he is with us through times of change and transition, we always have to remember that God's presence is with us. And that commission into service is a call and a reminder of God's presence that is always with us. And we remember the words of Jesus when he told his disciples, yes, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he's not leaving. That means he's coming back. What a glorious return that will be. You know, if we could have our own thoughts about what the perfect world would look like. You know, for mine, everybody would be wearing maroon and white. See, you, we already disagree, all right? Some of you want orange and white or red and black or green and, <clears throat> green and gold. Well, if it's Rockport green and gold, that's, that's a redeemed green and gold. See, there's grace there. There's grace. But we would all certainly agree that we want a life that's smooth, without any problems, without any stress without any weeks like our loved ones in Uvalde or like our brothers and sisters have been facing in the Ukraine. We long, we long for that because God has written eternity on our hearts, Ecclesiastes said. And deep down, we long for that kind of place. And Joshua has that set before him, as do the people. Joshua, as he's leading Israel on this journey to conquer a real physical land where there is plenty, that journey parallels a spiritual journey, one that we're on in this life. They're going to face real physical enemies, but like I said a while ago, the real enemy will come from within, and that's their own heart. In fact, just after the battle of Jericho, they're going to stumble because they get ahead of God, and somebody doesn't follow. We'll get to that story in time. But their hearts are going to be challenged by the idols of the people they encounter. Their hearts are going to be challenged by the treasures of the people that they encounter. Listen, we know there is evil in this world, and it sneaks in sometimes unaware. But when we follow Jesus, we commit to him as Lord, uh, with him as our Lord. That means that we commit to fight the good fight of the faith, and that we will stand and we will stand strong and courageous. Just as I have been with Moses, so I will be with you. And we remember the words of Jesus. I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, the commission of God requires you to trust him and obey him with strength and courage. It takes strength and courage to follow Jesus. Now, when God issued this call for Joshua in his life, we see real quick, not only the reassurance of God's presence, but also the command of Joshua to be strong and courageous. The call and commissioning of Joshua is not one that Joshua is going to accomplish in his own effort and his own strength. 
The call to be strong and courageous as Joshua will happen as Joshua trusts and obeys God. That call is one that is difficult and challenging. It's a very special and difficult task. Joshua, lead this large group of people that you know is prone to wonder and complain and conquer the people in the land before you. The skills and abilities that Joshua would need to accomplish that are far greater than what he possessed. But as God called him to be strong and courageous, Joshua is going to find strength and courage in the very presence of the one who called him. Joshua doesn't muster these up, you know, like sometimes you'll see on a pregame show, you'll see the athletes with their huge, you know, thousands of dollars worth of headphones on, and they've got some kind of music going, whatever it could be, you know, someday we'll probably be shocked to find out they're actually listening to like Beethoven or Mozart, not, you know, Metallica or whatever we're going to listen to, but it's not like they're trying to, Joshua doesn't have to get hyped up on some worldly music. Like it's, his source of strength and courage come from the truth that God's presence is with him, knowing that God has called him to that. And that gospel call on our lives is no different. That we too hold to the same conviction that Paul had about the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The word of the cross is foolishness, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to those who are perishing, but, to the pow- but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Finally, Paul wrote the Ephesians, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. It's all connected back to the gospel. The power of the gospel to change our life, the power of, gospel, of the gospel to tra- transform our life, and the power of the gospel to send us out that call upon our life. Listen, it applies to anyone who follows or calls upon Jesus. It's not just for the pastor or the deacons or the missionaries or the ministers. It's for the church. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a a banker, a lawyer, a, a boat captain, a handyman, a mom, a dad, an auntie or an uncle, it, it does not matter. If you call on Jesus, this is for you, that his strength and courage come from trusting in God, that God would lead him, that God would be with him, that God's word was good, right, and perfect, and it was the way to go. So how do we live that out? How does, what does this look like? Let me give you a couple of, couple of thoughts on this. Strength and courage. God commanded to be strong and courageous, right? Here's where it comes from. One, that we rejoice in the grace of God and his presence. We rejoice in the grace of God and his presence. God chose, chose Israel. Again, nothing too special about them. They didn't deserve anything, like they weren't winning any conquests, and God said, oh, look at that military. Wow, Woo, yes, I want that group. They're gonna help me because they're so strong and brave. Oh, it wasn't because they had the greatest economy. Wow, look at all that gold and wealth they amassed. That's gonna help me out so much. I'm gonna choose them because they're rich. It's not what he did. He found a little people, and they were just nothing. They were nothing. They didn't even have a home. And he promised Abraham and on down the line. But we rejoice in the grace of God and his presence. By his grace, God promised that land. Even after 40 years of wandering and and disobedience, this new generation set and ready to go. 
Friend, every blessing you and I receive, even the day we wake up, the morning that when we wake up, we receive the blessing of new mercies. Every blessing we receive, we must count to God's grace and not our own. And we let the truth that he granted what we do not deserve in and through Jesus Christ stir up strength and courage in our hearts to continue to lead well and live well for his glory. We rejoice in his presence. We take heart that he is with us. Second, we continue to trust God and his promises. God has never failed to keep his promise, and he's not about to start today. Just as Jesus promised that he would be with us to the end of the age, friend, today when you walk out those doors and you go into your mission field, you can trust him now. The book of Hebrews reminds us He says, I will never leave you or abandon you, repeating what Jesus had said, repeating what was said in Deuteronomy. Therefore, we may boldly say, church, here we go, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We trust God and we trust his promises. Third, that we stay in the word. I haven't said too much about that, but I'll say it now. There is nothing more important for growing in Christ-likeness than your moments in the word of God. You've got to stay in the word. When you read and apply and respond to what you've read, that's where it is. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. Notice that God told Joshua multiple times to observe carefully the instruction, not just to look at it and pull apart the language, but what is it saying? What is he calling us to? Observe carefully the instruction of Moses, which by now we've already been through the first five books of the Old Testament. Those are the books of Moses. They had those, they would have had some written form down. They certainly had the law written down. They would have had all of the instruction of Moses. Moses wrote those, so they already had them. They were already there, all right? So here we are. They observe everything Moses had laid out. He tied success, though. Listen, God tied success in this endeavor of taking the land to the word of God, to read, meditate on it day and night. Success was tied to obedience and what was read. You can read your Bible front to back. You can listen to it on your phone. Check off the fun little box on the version app. It's great. Way to go. But friend, if we get to the end of this year and you and I have read through the Old Testament together and nothing has changed in our life, the word didn't fail. We must not have applied what we read. I like the way James Montgomery Boyce put it in his commentary about Joshua. Joshua was to know the word, talk about the word, meditate on the word, and obey the word. It's that last step, though, that always gets us. It's God is real, too. Now, all of those tasks that Joshua has given, you know, if we, could do, if we could do those things, know the word, talk about the word, meditate, and obey. Man, if we could obey perfect, perfectly, then we'd be in fine shape to receive eternal life in our own efforts. But we're going to go off course. We already have. We're not going to follow that to perfection. We already know that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So... What we need and what we needed was the true servant leader. 
and his name is Jesus. A true savior who knew the word, did the word, perfect, flawless, without sin, and paid the price for our sin. In fact, Joshua's name means the exact same thing as Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. Now, Joshua is not Jesus. It's not what I'm saying. But it's interesting to me how those two play together. Friend, this morning, you've got to trust in Jesus. And as you trust in him, remember his promise that he is with you to ensure that you are walking in faith and obedience to the command of God to be strong and courageous, to not be terrified or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. As I was thinking through this text this week and what it means to to be led of God, I was drawn back to an old hymn. I can remember singing it and thinking, wow, these are strange words when I was a kid, but it's a beautiful hymn. And I'm not gonna sing it for you, but I'm gonna read it for you. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory is won, even death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand, he leadeth me. His faithful follower, I would be, for by his hand, he leadeth me. Is Jesus leading you today?